right, it is 9.33. Joining me now is my good friend, Master Gardener, Barb Lampson. Good morning, Barb. Hey there, Karen. It is so great to be here with you on this beautiful fall morning. I just love this cool weather. It makes me feel so good. I mean, it really literally does. I get that cool breeze, and all of a sudden, it's just like I can breathe better. Oh, I, I absolutely agree with you. And then last week, on uh, two different days, we had a little bit of a shower of rain. It wasn't much. My rain gauge me- measured one-tenth of an inch. Yep, it was a little bit. Yeah, twice. And so um, I got busy, and it's really important to water now as things are starting to go dormant to get them watered going into the winter. That's a good point. I think a lot of people forget about it because, well, it's it's fall. They're done doing their thing, but they still need that moisture because they'll lose a lot in the winter. Yes. And so make sure that they're, they're watered. Because I can tell with my container plants, even they just a few days without they dry up really quickly. So. Oh, gosh, yes. And you know what? We've had wind, too. That is the strange thing with the weather. Before we get this rain, there is much ado about nothing. We get high winds, the winds come up, and we have thundering, and then we have lightning, and then we'll just maybe get a gust of rain with wind, and, and just last a very, very short time. So um, I don't know what that's all about. But yes, it's really important, especially for the trees. Hey, you know, one of the things, I love watching what the national holidays are and celebrations and things like that. Tomorrow is an important day because it's National Good Neighbor Day. I'd never I'd heard never of heard of that either. I hadn't either. And it was very opportunistic because I was talking to one of our master gardeners, Dr. Carolyn Becker, who has retired now and is a full-time gardener doing something she just absolutely, she's so good at it and she's so generous and we've toured her home and, you know, just really a wonderful thing. And she was talking about a project that they did in her church, which is in Mapleton, Minnesota. And um, the church is called the United Church of Mapleton. In itself, it fits in with this whole idea of being a good neighbor. The church is a combination of two different churches that came together and built one building. And what they do is they were a Baptist church and a congregational church. And so in this new church, rather than being one denomination, what they are is they're more... Uh, I will say evangelical, uh, and that has a different meaning to different people. But so in that church, if you are of the Baptist persuasion and you believe in immersion, you can have you can you can be immersed. If you are more of the Lutheran persuasion and you believe in being sprinkled, you, you can do that. And she said their whole uh, thing was outreach to the community. And it was about, she thinks, between five to seven years ago that they started their raised bed gardening. And they Is pre- it at the church grounds even? It is hmm. at the church grounds. And you know, what a great idea. I can see schools and churches and public buildings, places that have space to grow vegetables in raised beds. You know, so so they, their beds are really pretty good size. They are four feet wide and 14 to 16 feet long, which is long. It is, because now mine are about three and a half feet by seven feet. Yeah. Which is a good size. Yeah, that's a good size too. But here, and then they have four people that volunteer to go in and weed 
and uh, and and do whatever is necessary to be done. But they have one couple that's in charge of just picking the produce and taking it to their food shelf. And their food shelf is called Loaves and Fishes, and that's in Mapleton. And she said they have so far produced um, this year uh, over 200 pounds of produce to donate there. That doesn't sound like very much, though. But well, you know, I was thinking how much tomatoes weigh. Yeah, but okay. <laughs> here, now let me tell you the okay. rest of the story. Okay. So because it's a, they're using raised beds, they have to be more careful when they're rotating things. And what happened was they had tomatoes, and they had some tomatoes that volunteered the following year. Oh yes. And instead of rooting them out, which they should have done, yes, they left them go. And they just got blight. Oh. And now they have blight in the soil, so they no longer can raise uh, tomatoes there. They have also raised things like squash. I've, winter. I want to ask you, though, because in a raised bed, you can take the soil out and replace it, though. So couldn't they do that? Well, I suppose they... It's a lot of work. I know yes, that. And but here what they, they decided to do and what will work is is to keep the tomatoes out of there okay. or the nightshade family for three solid years, Which consecutive tomatoes, years. tomatoes, potatoes, and... Eggplant. Eggplant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, this is this is a good good learning lesson. Right. But what they have raised actively are cucumbers and beets and broccoli. And you know those things aren't heavy. No, that's especially true. things like 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 broccoli. And they raise green beans, and they use uh, they raise the French fillet sure. style of green bean. Which, and the reason they raise those is because they produce well into until it starts until there's frost. And you know, I have those up in my garden this year for the first year. They are the best uh, green bean I've ever raised. They stay really small, really thin. And they don't get the big seedy kind of things and they they get kind of soft almost. Yeah, they're just absolutely, absolutely great. And so... I didn't like the taste of the French filet as well, though, for myself. hmm. Do you think they're as good? Well, you know, I think it depends on how you fix them. Maybe that's it. If you just steam them and uh, cut up some garlic and onion and uh, fry that and mix that in with them. So you've got that flavor. And sometimes, now this isn't good for uh, somebody who's a vegetarian, but I'll also put in fried bacon, very crispy, and and put that in with them. And, And my goodness, a little bit of butter. I mean, you can't go wrong. You could put that on grass and it would taste good. <laughs> <laughs> well, butter on anything. Yeah. But you know, with, with the beans, I usually only eat them just plain. So I'll just take and steam them. Sure. And so sure. I, I guess I like the regular beans yep. better. But, you know, like you said, depends on how you prepare them, too. Yep. That's right. Well, anyway, uh, we want to thank uh, the people in Mapleton and their church for reaching out to the community. And she said, anyone is welcome there at any time, whether you you don't have to be a member. If you need um, to be a baptism or wedding or burial, they're there for you. And, um, and so they're serving their community in this way. And I just think that would be really interesting. You know, churches have changed in their function. When, look at the connection here in Mankato where we're now housing 
people that are homeless in the wintertime in our churches. And feeding people at and the churches. And feeding people, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, they're doing more of outreach, I think, because they realize people aren't coming there, and, and the goal is to, to you know get the word out and be out among the others. And if you have the space and you have the grounds, especially outside, I mean, that's just a fantastic uh, thing to do. So here's another uh, Good Neighbor project uh, tomorrow. The Minneapolis State Park is going to be doing their annual seed collection and sorting. And this is of wildflowers. I've never done this before, but I um, emailed Scott. Um, Kadelka. Kadelka, mm-hmm. who's in charge of that. He and I served on the board up at Good Council together. And I went on one of his um, canoeing expeditions down the uh, Minnesota River and capsized my canoe. The oh, only dear. person that's ever done that. <laughs> Way to go, Barb. Yeah, the, and, and and I'm a canoeer, and I just was careless, and, well, that's what happens. She was she was texting and rowing. No, <clears throat> just kidding. <laughs> just 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 playing careless and not paying no, attention. No, so you're going to be planting, because I know they also have the seed collection. No, um, we're, we're oh, you're collecting. Oh, you are, we're okay. Planting. We're planting. We're, we're, collect- we're collecting seeds and sorting. Okay, so, because if you have to go out, you know, to make your own prairie and buy that that seed, it's very, very expensive. So yes. that's why they try and, and and also to keep the genetics of the the meadow or the the prairie out there, like you know right, they were right. when they started years ago. And, and you know the other thing is, you think of the um, safety issue with seeds nowadays. Um, maybe if you're buying them, they might have things mixed in with them Weeds. that you didn't want. So this this way you can control the seed what you're planting back in now, again. Are you collecting it out amongst the bison? No, they might bunch you. <laughs> no, we are uh, we we are on the uh, waterfall okay. side. So report out there. 1230 and uh, to 2 o'clock on Saturday on Saturday and if you email them uh, they will send you a pass so that you don't have to pay to get into the okay. park. Um, do you have a, a website or something they can go <clears throat> to to do that? I think webs- I talked about this earlier this week too. I thought it, it sounded like yeah. a fun thing that yeah, you, you um, So do. we might have to um, we might have to go through my uh, notes here, but I think it's uh, Scott at uh, Minneapolis Get, State okay. Park. Well, anyway, we'll, we'll I'll yeah. look it up for you. I have it clipped in here in my notes someplace, and I don't see it right now. <laughs> okay, but okay, so so do that and let them know that you're coming. Um, so that's another great opportunity to be a good neighbor. The other thing is, if you have someone new that's moved into your neighborhood or someone you haven't seen for a while. Knock on the door and say, hello, it's good National Good Neighbor Day. <laughs> Come on with me. Let's go pick some seeds. Um, no, let's, just nice to know that you're oh, around. Oh, okay. I got you. I thought you were going to make them come out and work with no, you, Barbara. No, nothing, <laughs> nothing like that. So <clears throat> also, um, I have um, a person, one of our listeners, Dennis, who asked me about Creeping Charlie. He has a lawn full of Creeping Charlie. And he was wondering if he could use a, a black tarp and um, uh, stake it out where the Creeping Charlie is, and it would kill the Creeping Charlie, which it will do. But then you got <coughs> the seeds. And, well, and that's what I told him. So <clears throat> you'd have to kill this batch, and then, you know, I don't know how long Creeping Charlie seeds stay in the uh, soil, but I think it must be a long time. Or maybe it's the uh, the creeping Charlie is interesting in that it um, it it keeps creeping along, 
and uh, it's like rhizomes on it almost. It's like a viney kind of thing, and it goes under the grass. So you'd have to be sure that you got all of that out too. Even the smallest sprout left in there will, you'll you'll have a, it'll just take over again. <clears throat> so uh, creeping Charlie is a real problem. I would not advise anybody digging up with a tiller because you'll bring more of those seeds yeah. to the surface. So so that's that's not a good solution either. Well, you know, that's one of those <clears throat> things, though. You, I mean, if you try and dig it out by hand and you break them off, more are going to come up. So sometimes that is one weed that you might have to use an herbicide on. I know we don't like to do that, <clears throat> but, I mean, that truly is, is a problematic <clears throat> weed. Well, here's, we, we talked about that, and he has these big, beautiful trees. And you know the tree, a lot of them, their roots are close to the surface, and they're out as far as the canopy. And you can kill a tree by doing that, too. You can certainly... You mean by it. putting the herbicide? Well, yep. do you recall earlier this summer when I did, I had such a weed problem, I did actually... <clears throat> I'm embarrassed to admit it. I did use um, a spray herbicide right. on the, the lawn because it was just so bad. And I actually had some uh, wilt in my new ginkgo trees, and I was just panicking because then I, so I contacted the extension, and they said, well, it probably, you know, leached down to the yeah. the um, roots, so if you can dig it out. And so what I did was I dug out around it and got rid of that soil and put new soil in. I mean, it was a, it was a big to-do, but yeah. I, darned if I was going to, Going lose to the, lose, lose those ginkgo, ginkgo trees that I've yeah. spent so much time and effort to try and, you know, yeah, get. Yeah. So, and you know, the ginkgo tree is such a hardy tree uh, when it comes to environmental normal conditions. Right. It survived the ice age. But herbicides, that's that's very different when you're doing those. And they're different. You know, you read the label, and it's it's hard to understand what some of those ingredients are that are in there, those active ingredients. Right. So, uh, so be very, very careful before you do that. And it's not so easy if you have a big mature tree to start trying to dig out soil. You know how you it's just like a rock underneath them. So I would say, uh, you know, go ahead and use the solar and see what happens. And the thing is... The solar, you mean the, uh, the tarps? Uh, the tarp with the sunshine. Yeah, that's right. the solar. Okay. Yeah, just cook them cook them to death in there. And it may not work once. You may have to do it a couple of Numerous different times. times, right. Yeah, right, right. And also a healthy lawn will keep out weeds and things as well. So yes. you can... If you know, you, but you got to get them good one, the good stuff started. Otherwise, you're going to have all the weeds... There. Here's the thing with with uh, mature trees, you're going to have a lot of shading. Yes. It's hard to get a good stand of grass under them, and it might be something else that needs to grow underneath those trees that's not grass. So you know, think about that too. And you don't have to do the whole thing; just start experimenting and see what works best for you. But one thing about creeping Charlie, it won't go away on its own, and it doesn't freeze out in the wintertime. It's right back. And there are some people who say it has pretty purple flowers. Just let it grow. I've heard that, and I think in some parts of the country they actually do use that. And as a matter of fact, we saw it when we were on our tour of gardens up in Minnetonka. That they grew it for purpose, on purpose? They did. They had it mixed in in the shade with hostas. And this lady had it corralled. Oh, my. So it couldn't, she'd put down borders so that they couldn't go underground and and invade the hostas. But I'll tell you what. It will invade if it's good. Yeah, if there's seeds there and birds. Birds, and yeah. And it, it just gets transferred around. It, it really does. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was pretty shocking to me, that uh, beautiful yard uh, and deliberately planting a batch. Well, you know, that's the same with other plants that we might plant here that 
is an annual for us, but it might be invasive down south because it just sure. starts to take over because sure. the conditions are perfect. So someplace right. else, maybe it would be okay as an ornamental or sure. something. But yeah, here it's that's not one you want. You know, another question that I had was uh, a discussion about trees. And with when we're looking at what we can do with climate change, how we can combat that, how we can be wise in our decisions and what we plant so that we plant trees that take up the most CO2. And, you know, that's a hard question to answer, too, because uh, a tree, uh, first of all, you have to raise a tree that's for your zone, for your temperature zone. Or oh, forget we, it, yeah. yeah and we are it. a 4, and we're actually a 4B, which means we can be take up uh, things are a little safer here but not that much so so if you're going to plant a tree begin to look for what's hardy for your zone and then for the for your yard you don't want if you have a small city lot you don't want a tree with a 40-foot canopy no you got to think about the size because there are so many that will get maybe 20 25 feet and for a small lot that's what you're gonna gonna need but you know I think way back there were not as many offerings for smaller trees as there are now. There That's just true. weren't. So, I mean, a lot of times you just go to get a tree, and that would be the 40, 50, 60, 80-foot tree, and that's just what there was. But now the offerings, just the varieties are so diverse. Yes, but here's the thing. Even those things that are offered, you take um, uh, the ash now. Now, that is a tree that I've never really liked simply because in the fall it's the first one to leave lose its yes. leaves and in the spring it's the last one to get its leaves so if you planted an ash and now you know we have emerald ash borer yeah. so that's not a good idea but that as an example before <clears throat> the it, you need the leaves on a tree a deciduous tree that loses its leaves and it loses them earlier than any other tree and gets them back later than any other tree. It certainly isn't taking in CO2 or carbon dioxide. So that wouldn't have been a good choice even before we had the emerald ash borer. And the same thing with like a silver maple. That is a tree that grows really fast. Oh, and I think that is such, I consider those weed trees. We have a neighbor, a few down and we have friends who are neighbors behind them. And the roots of those are so surface that they've just got all these wooden, you know, things that they have to mow yep. over and it's yep. bumpy. And the leaves just fall and fall and fall. Mm -hmm. And, of course, my neighbors who don't have it are getting all the residual mess. So right. that, to me, yeah, they grow fast, but they're weaker. So a lot of the branches will grow off and they're a weed tree, kind of like the, the box elder is a weed tree to it, me, too. It really is. But yet you'll see them offered in uh, nurseries. You'll see them offered in big box stores why so, is that uh, people want the instant grow I, growth, I, I, guess? I think they I think they do and if you're in a new subdivision and there's not a single tree there you want shade and you want it fast and you're probably going to plant by your patio and the next thing you know that thing is dropping uh, seed pods and, and leaves and we have those those uh, helicopters that float down in the spring. I mean, it has so many things that come off from that that you have to clean. And, and they get in your rain gutters. You've got that whole business so to Then you've got to get rain gutter hoods and things. Now, do you, another one that's kind of grow fast, and I remember my sister planted some of these by our, by our farmhouse, are the, the popple. I think the, the poplar ones yeah, that they that. grow, they grow mm -hmm. up like big and straight and they grow yeah. really fast, but then they don't live very long. So you've got this giant very, tree. Very, very, very short-lived. Yeah. yeah. And you know, another 
other thing is with trees, especially when farmers would do windbreaks, those types of trees were offered by the Conservation yes, Service. that's where we got them. Yeah, exactly. Now, a tree that might be a better thought, and if you have room for it, is, is maybe a conifer because they keep their needles all year long. And when they do go dormant in the wintertime, when the ground freezes, so they're not taking in CO2, but they take it in much longer than any other of our trees. So you might want to consider that. And, um, you know, there are many, many choices that you can get there. One that's not good is the um, Colorado blue spruce. It's way, way too humid here. It has all, all kinds of problems. It does grow fast here. But I'll tell you what, it gets uh, disease problems fast too. And it's, but it is beautiful. I will agree with that. But once yes. you get that disease problem, you got a big tree you got to deal with, and it's expensive to take down a tree. Um, I was good at trying to think at least a at least a couple hundred dollars each for for a tree or more. Yeah, and depending on the height. And the other thing is, can they get into your lot? You know, do they have to take their boom truck and go from if there's a a driveway they can park on and then go with the put the boom up over into the back? Or does and, it wreck your yard because they got to go in there? And that's right. And so you can be on a big tree, a big mature tree. You can easily spend thousands of dollars. Do you know what we're doing this weekend? We have a friend who has a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we are going to have him cut down. I have what's called the prunus. I can't remember what the exact tree, but it's in the, the prunus family. Yes. And it's got these beautiful burgundy leaves. Oh, yes. Um, and it's just gorgeous. But it has black knot. And I've yeah. cut the black, I've uh, pruned the black knot not out every winter, every winter, but now it's to the point where I just can't. So we're going to have him cut that down. Uh, it's a friend of my husband's cut that down. And I'm going to cut the ash tree down because it's kind of one of those where the extension says way what it's worth to you if if it's a bigger yeah. tree you might yeah. want to pay to save it from the emerald asper or ash borer you can you know use um they have injections and things you can yes. use yeah. but ours is i mean ours has been there a number of years but it's not that big we're going to cut that down mm-hmm. and then uh, we had a, an a apricot tree that died have them cut that down sure and so <laughs> we're going to just have a big wood chopping party at our uh, that, that's yeah. a, you know a, a prevention yeah. Uh, is uh, sometimes, you know what we say, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, and that's the way it goes with the, with those trees, too. That um, uh, prunus that gets that uh, knot on it. It's that black, big, ugly black. It, it almost is, looks like it's been charred in a fire. And and here's the thing. That is can can be spread to your neighbors, and you can also spread that with your pruning uh, equipment if you don't sterilize between that. So... Uh, we had one on the end of our street, and that person didn't take it down until just recently. I mean, that is such, and it looked worse and worse and yeah. worse, and now they've replaced it with something else. Th- they did the whole neighborhood a favor because yeah. that was a contagious thing that was spreading. And, you it's know, a fungus, so it can, you know it can go spread on the air or whatever, and it's easily spread. Well, and, the pollinators, the birds that yep. get in there and track it around, yeah, I mean, that's how these things happen, so... You know, in my garden, I did I tell you, I, I don't remember if I, I talked about this last week, I have started a new strawberry bed, uh, and I've got them covered with a hoop with netting on top of it so that they don't get too much sunlight, uh, which isn't really such a problem right now because it's 68 degrees, but uh, it could be, we could have some very hot days, and I don't want them to burn up in the in the heat. So I got my strawberries, uh, my second bed going. 
I just love strawberries. And I don't think I ever appreciated strawberries until we started getting these from all over, uh, out of the country, California, and they have this big, hard, white core in them. It's just almost like you took a styrofoam ball and you painted it red and said, here's a strawberry. <laughs> and and it isn't, honestly. They're not as good, no. There's very, very little taste left to them. Have you been doing anything with grapes? I know wild grapes are becoming ripe now. I We used to have them on the farm. I was just curious if you uh, have any. No, I I have a grapevine, which I have trained to to go along my garage and soften that. And it, the vine itself is really big. It's a, The diameter is a couple inches. But you know what? I am looking at taking that out because the Japanese beetle I loves those leaves. And um, I just, I don't know. Everything I'm going to do in my yard now, I've been... Um, contemplating this very seriously this past week amongst the my digging and moving and dividing. Everything is going to be for the environment and if I don't if I can eliminate something that the beetles, Japanese beetles love, uh, I'm going to do that. You're not going to cut down your hardy hibiscus, are you? No, no. Because that's one that I, and I'm, I think I'm going to give up, um, well I know I'm not going to do the uh, runner bean again that I use for to climb an obelisk and they've got sure. those pretty flowers because that was just horribly damaged by the, the Japanese sure. beetle and, and it I, I don't need that. And I think I'm going to maybe go back to, um, I, I've been doing the, the pole beans because I like to go vertical, but I might go back to the, the bush ones again because I just had so much damage on those, um, those pole beans this right. year that it just was... Oh. Karen, you know what? Here's the most amazing thing. At Good Council, I... Oh, I shouldn't even say this because maybe I'll be jinxing myself. We did not have one single thing well, good with for insect you. <laughs> damage on it. And I raised the French filet bean too, and that had that had absolutely no damage Lucky. on it. And, you know, I raised those pumpkins, the pepitas, because we're raising them for the seeds. And uh, I had... Um, two plants that I started myself from from seeds and I have six pumpkins and they're as orange as can be but now I don't know when is the right time to harvest pumpkins they look like they're ripe but do they need to be get a light frost before we well that's a good question because I know we we picked ours when it was just I mean it was kind of the leaves all died and then we just basically took it in you know see we we raised these on a that cattle fencing and and that was a great thing, and that's where we raised the cucumbers too, getting them up in the air like that and keep the air circulating sure. around them. So so that worked really well. But I I don't know. I mean, um, it, are the pepitas when you're raising them for just the seed? I don't know that the flesh is something you would eat, but it might be great for carving for Halloween. Well, I think for Halloween it would, yeah, because I think what you do, I mean, because they don't really get orange. They they just stay kind of a green and a... No. Are yours orange? Yes. Mine were always just kind of a green. They are little. so orange oh, and beautiful. Wow. They're absolutely gorgeous. And there's six of them. I can't believe it. So effortlessly. You to, have better luck than me. Yes. And you know, I put those seeds out. I started them in my greenhouse and they were very anemic and they didn't want to do anything. And I blamed it on the potting mix that I had that I started them in, which I'm not going to use that brand again, and got them out there. And you know what? In a week, they'd greened up. There has to be a connection between uh, 
that we've never used chemicals up there. There's never been chemicals in the ground because the nuns never use them. And this this English aster that I have, yesterday I was up, it was loaded with bees and monarchs. Wow. So, yep, right. Well, Barb, it's always great to talk with you. Maybe if people want to go out tomorrow, they can see Barb. Uh, yeah. Out at the Miniopa Park on the waterfall side well, for the big seed collection at Miniopa. And what the time again is from? Uh, 10.30 to 2. Okay. And come in and um, sign up at uh, uh, the uh, falls side by the picnic shelter. Okay. Well, happy seed picking. I hope the weather's Thanks. good for you. Thanks, Karen. Yep. Bye-bye. It is one minute past 10, and you are listening to A Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin, online at kmsu.org. Broadcasting from the campus of Minnesota State University, Mankato, big ideas and real world thinking. Right now we have our Southern Minnesota News.